well you have. You're now tuned in to Marcus Ways. You just sat back and ready to play. Let me take your thoughts far, far away. Now let's hear what Darnetta has to say. We would be honored if you would join us. What's up, Far Far Away family? Welcome to Star Wars Audio Archive. So how's everyone doing today? I hope everything is going good on your side of the galaxy. Let me start off by apologizing for the tardiness of the episode. I had a really bad week last week. I mean, it sucked Bantha Poodoo. Well, I can't say it was all bad. My grandson was born on Thursday, so that was something that was great. But the rest of the week was not so good. It all started on Sunday. I forgot to take my medication, and it really messed me up. Let me explain this medication that they got me on. I have to take nine pills every morning, then I take three pills every night. But the one that's supposed to keep the MS from getting worse is a medication called Vermirity. I have to take two in the morning and two in the evening. Every time I take them, I feel like my entire body is on fire. Other than that, it doesn't feel like it does anything until I forget to take them. Because if I miss a dose, not even the force can help me. I feel like someone beat me with a baseball bat. I can't even move without hurting. Breathing hurts. So when I forget to take my pills, I pay for it for the next couple of days. And that's what happened on Saturday night. I forgot to take my pills. So I didn't get the episode recorded on Sunday. So Theodore couldn't edit it on Monday for it to come out on Tuesday. And I didn't really start feeling any better till Wednesday. So I recorded it then. And I thought that we could get it out by Friday morning. But then my youngest daughter went into labor with my third grandchild. This all happened Wednesday night and went on for most of Thursday. So I was dealing with all that and I forgot to send my audio to Theodore. So when he texted me on Friday saying no episode this week, I said shoot, I guess not. Because it would take him some time to get his part ready so it wouldn't come out until Sunday morning. And at that point, I might as well wait to drop it today and just apologize and own up to my mistakes. This was only my second time forgetting to take my pills and sometimes life just throws us a curveball. But in my defense, I did work on the Swaycast website. If you listen to Lightsaber Radio, I said it would be done by Halloween, and it was, like I said it would be. But honestly, I didn't like the way that it looked. So I redid the whole thing, and now it looks a whole lot better than it did. So it wasn't a complete waste of time. And that's my first piece of news for today. Well, that's not really news, more like an announcement than news. It is what it is. But now you can get all the Swaycast updates in one place. All the latest episodes from this show and Lightsaber Radio plus the latest news, rumors, and leaks that we find out about, and all of the future shows, projects, and collaborations we are working on. Also, we are going to start doing watch parties, and they will be held on the website as well. So there's just a lot of fun and exciting things happening over on the website. Okay, so now I think that we should get to the real news for today. And I don't really want to call this news. Let's call it a rumored leak, because we haven't heard anything from Disney or Lucasfilms as of yet. But from what sources are telling me, Deadpool Sean Levy is in talks to direct the Star Wars movie. During his career in film and television, the Canadian director and producer has made a name for himself. His work across a variety of different genres has shown how versatile he is as a director. He is known for Night at the Museum, as well as for his work on Stranger Things. Several of Sean's credits include Steve Martin's The Pink Panther, the romantic comedy Date Night, and an episode of The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. But his work with Ryan Reynolds on things like Free Guy and The Atom Project has truly set him apart from the crowd, and he is currently attached to direct Deadpool 3, once again starring Reynolds. It appears that Sean has no problem switching between different genres, a talent that could help him in the near future. As some sources are stating, he might be directing a Star Wars film. If these talks are true, Sean would direct this film after Deadpool 3 is complete, 
My sources say that there's no information regarding the story of the film, but bringing on Sean to direct a Star Wars film shouldn't come as a surprise to the fans of his previous works. Sean has experience within science fiction and action because of his work on Stranger Things, The Atom Project, and The Arrival, the last in which Sean produced. Although from moving from the raunchy and violent Deadpool 3 to the epic space opera might seem like a far jump for some directors, but Sean's resume makes it clear that he is up for the task, and it will be cool to see where he decides to take the franchise next. I like a lot of his films, but we will have to see if this is a rumor or a leak. Now I think it is time that we get to the fun fact for this week, and I bet you didn't know this. Christopher Lee, the actor who played Count Dooku, has multiple heavy metal albums. In a partnership with guitarist Richie Falk of Judas Priest, they created a heavy metal album and released it on Lee's 91st birthday. Yes, his 91st birthday. The album was based on the life of Charlemagne. And if you didn't find this odd enough, you should know that this wasn't Lee's first metal album. It also wasn't the first album on the topic of Charlemagne. Lee's first metal album, Charlemagne by the Sword and the Cross, was released in the summer of 2010. It was then followed by the album made with Rich Falky, Charlemagne's The Omen of Death, which came out in May of 2013. In 2012, he released a heavy metal Christmas album. It was called The Heavy Metal Christmas. I'm not gonna lie, I didn't believe this fact could be true. Thinking of Christopher Lee doing a heavy metal album was just too hard for me to believe. So I had to look it up, and here's a little bit of one of those songs. For years we stood together, fighting back to back. Now is it you are me, that I run away and hide? Yeah, I thought the same thing. But he actually has like five albums. So it is true that Sir Christopher Lee was also a rock star. Okay, now I think it's time that we get back to Brotherhood because something slipped through the cracks on the last episode and I forgot to talk about it. So if you don't remember this part, just go back and listen to the last episode. Just the story part, you don't have to listen to me rambling again. But the part that I am referring to is the part where the clone trooper comes to get Anakin. This particular clone trooper was a female named Sister. Something that we know from the Clone Wars and the Bad Batch animated series that there was no female clone troopers. Omega was the very first female. So I don't know why Mike put this in the book but I would love to hear your thoughts behind it. Why do you think he put it in the book? Email me and let me know your opinion. Okay, now let's get into the story itself. And what better time to do that than right now? Obi-Wan Kenobi. Despite their rocky start, Rogue led Obi-Wan to new areas to investigate, going far beyond the massive struts that marked severance points all the way to areas that showed collateral damage from the initial blasts. She pointed out irregularities in the blast radius, how the struts splintered differently, evidence that could mean several different things about the types of explosive compounds used. She also pulled out her own data pad of compiled evidence, including material traces that had since evaporated into the fog and wind of Kedonimodia's surface. That, along with his own accumulated scans and sensor readings, gave him an entire day's worth of material to comb through. And unfortunately, no Republic computers for processing. But he'd figure that out later. The entire time, Kitar stayed silent, an air of suspicion coming from him while they talked. In their fourth hour of investigation, Obi-Wan knew his body was reaching the point of physical exhaustion. I do not know much about Neimodian sleep cycles, 
Obi-Wan said. But I should return and get some rest soon, if I'm going to be of any use tomorrow. That's not a bad idea, Rug said. She held up a small vial and poured its contents over the mix of metal, concrete, and stone, something that appeared to be a chunk of strut blown into the side of a building. It bubbled, releasing a neon yellow mixture through the air, visible just enough for her to hold up a scanner to it. Chemical reaction. I'll send over the results once it finishes. You've done good work without holding a proper lab with you, Obi-Wan said, scrolling through his datapad. I may not have any of your Jedi powers, but experience does close the gap in some scenarios. Kitar, she said, handing him a device out of her armor's chest pocket. Run process for C on this with an exposure time of six seconds. Understood, the young guard said. He brushed past Obi-Wan as if he weren't even there, then began tapping on his datapad. Surely you didn't learn all about chemistry and explosives in basic training. Obi-Wan said. Though Kitar stood behind Obi-Wan, he knew the comment caught the guard's attention. I'm just a guard, Murug said, standing up to stretch your back, trying to teach people like Kitar why our work matters. That is a god uniform? Murug squinted at her datapad, though from the way her head tilted, he guessed she considered his question more than her scanner's results. You're inquisitive, Jedi. Part of the job. Rug let out a quick laugh. This. She patted her maroon body armor. Was part of the job, too. Maimoidian special ops. Explosives. Infiltration. Sniper. But now, just a guard. She put away the last of her devices and nodded toward their shuttle. Looking for a quieter life? Not necessarily, but sometimes important people think you should be quieter, and there are various ways to accomplish that. They walked in silence, the only sound coming from the crunch of dirt and debris beneath their boots. It sounds like you are not satisfied with the Neimoidian involvement with the Trade Federation, Obi-Wan said. An honest comment, but given how accommodating Rook had been over the last few hours, the words came as their own form of bait. Ah, that's a very, uh, binary view of things. You Jedi do enjoy your rules. Obi-Wan bit his lip at that, and rather than be defensive, he decided to let Rogue continue. We love bringing you more Star Wars, and it is because of our partners that we can do this week after week. So we invite you to be one of those partners. For as little as a dollar a month, you can help us keep this going. Your support will give us the ability to create future episodes, as well as provide you with the best sounding show on your playlist. And to express our appreciation, we will give you a shout out on our mid-series show that we do in the middle of every book. You will also be automatically entered in all future giveaways. All you have to do is go to the show notes and click that listener support link. Now let's get back to the show. I believe in the idea of the Trade Federation. When the Republic fails to recognize your homeworld as anything but an asset in shipping and commerce, you become a commodity and a statistic. I'll not let my life be a line item in a shipping manifest. With the Trade Federation, Maimordians finally have a voice. History shows the Republic barely acknowledged our existence until the Trade Federation. The way governments operate, though, that always changes. 
Kitar spoke up, perhaps for the first time in an hour. Why shouldn't we support the Separatist cause? We know our worth, and it's much more than the Republic claims. Obi-Wan caught a hint of a smile on Rug's face, though she clearly tried to hide it. We're not talking about the Separatists here. Ketone Mordia is neutral, Rug said. The Trade Federation is neutral. Neutrality in the face of oppression is further oppression, Kitar said, which Obi-Wan agreed with to some degree, but probably from the opposite perspective as Kitar. Is it oppression, or is it independence? A freedom to choose, Rug asked, almost like a teacher leading a student to an epiphany. But Kitar hesitated, the bite to his attitude settling as he considered the question. They walked a few more steps in silence before Obi-Wan spoke up, despite the fact that the question wasn't directed at him. I would say it depends on context, he offered. Something for both of them to consider in different ways. They both looked at him, though with very different points of view written on their expressions and postures. I agree, Rook said. Context defines everything. I have a friend who thinks like you, Obi-Wan said, the smirk on his face probably not visible in the dim Kidone Moodian night. I can believe in the Trade Federation without liking its leadership over the past ten years, and I can recognize the systemic issues within the Republic, but still think that some people within it are reasonable. Even, <laughs> she said with a chuckle, a Jedi. Kitar shot back another comment about how Republic culture was more dangerous than Republic law, and Obi-Wan recognized Rug's responses to it all. Not the specific words or rebuttals, but the way she tried to equally acknowledge and shut down Kitar's ire. Well, he'd had some experience with that in his life. This discourse continued back to their shuttle. A small guard craft that offered little more protection or maneuverability than his own borrowed craft. And while they bickered, Obi-Wan caught sight of a strange hovel beyond an alley of the dilapidated block. One more thing to check out before his way back. He considered asking them to come along, especially considering Rug's additional equipment. But something about Kitar's mood told him he should leave well enough alone and the small bunker itself gave off a suspicious feel, the frequency and the force that created an invisible disquiet, along with the fact that the entrance to it sat remarkably clear despite rubble strewn about everywhere else. I'll head back to my ship, he told them, giving them a farewell wave. They parted ways and boarded their craft, Rube nodding in acknowledgement while Keaton stared straight ahead behind the cockpit window. He started his walk ahead, waiting for their shuttle to lift up and disappear into the fog. When he concluded they'd flown far enough away not to detect his movements, he took out his macro binoculars and switched to thermal vision, a safety check of the shed's surrounding area for any starving corgi beasts that might be lurking for a human-sized snack. With the coast clear, he started forward. And though fatigue weighed down both his thoughts and movements, this seemed too anomalous to pass by. 
Okay, so once again, we jump to the other characters. We are now back to Obi-Wan, Rogue, and Kitar. They are combing the disaster area looking for evidence, and Rogue shares all of the data that she has collected with Obi-Wan, which is just nonsense. Not the data part, but her sharing the data. She just met Obi-Wan like a couple of hours ago, and she is already giving him everything she has. I just find that hard to believe, especially from what we know about Nymordians. They are not the most trusting people. Trust comes from emotions. It doesn't have anything to do with statistics. So for her to do this means that there is more to Nymordians than just numbers and statistics. But for the chapter itself, it wasn't that bad. Very informative. But you know what I am thinking. That's 22 chapters that we have went through and I'm starting to get impatient. But that's all that the chapter had to offer us. Now I think that it is time for us to get to the quote of this week. And this week's quote comes to us from Nito Kielbin. He said your present circumstances don't determine where you can go. They merely determine where you start. Sometimes our fear or an untrue belief in our own limitations can stop us from pursuing a life of improvement and progress. Who you are now or who you were before has never determined who you can become. Most circumstances are caused by poor planning and we are all guilty of that. How are you supposed to know what's going to happen? But no circumstance dictates where you can go or who you can become. A good friend of mine got caught up in some bull stuff and he spent over 10 years in prison. He has been out for several years now and he has completely changed the outcome of his life. Society cast him out and said that he was nothing for one mistake that he made when he was a young man. But he did not let his circumstance ruin his life. He got out and hit the ground running. Now those same people that said he wasn't going to be anything are looking to him for advice on how to be better. So that's a perfect example of how your circumstances don't dictate your outcome. People can change and that means everyone. And that also means your situation. Every day is a new day and everything that has happened in your past resides in your past. But tomorrow is a new day and that means a new start. And I think that's where I'm going to leave it today. Join us next week for part 23 of Star Wars Brotherhood and I will try my best to get it out on time. May the force be with you. Thank you for listening to Star Wars Audio Archives. Join us next time for more Star Wars adventures. If you would like to listen to other episodes of the show, you can follow us on your favorite podcast directory. If you enjoyed the show, we would greatly appreciate a five-star review. Once again, thank you for listening, and may the Force be with you. Sway was created by Keen Eye Shed and is a production of Pick Film Media and was distributed by Swaycast Networks. This show was produced by Quentin McDaniel. Star Wars Brotherhood was read to you by Jason Odega. Sound designed by Theodore Thompson. I am your host, Kyle, and we will see you next time in a galaxy far, far away. <laughs>